When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Friday, April 20th. Hey, hey, I'm Chris Hardy. Today, we are not talking about weed, shockingly, uh, but we are talking about drugs still. We're talking to a man who cured himself of paralyzing OCD with magic mushrooms. I want you to picture a guy named Adam Strauss. He's like in his 20s, shaggy hair, kind of tall, and he's standing in front of his closet trying to choose a shirt to wear. His girlfriend had just moved out a few weeks earlier, so maybe he's feeling a little extra self-conscious about his appearance. But somehow, the pursuit of the perfect shirt becomes completely all-consuming for him. The one with the wide collar shows off his chest too much. The next one fits well, but it's not the right color. You get the point. All the while, if he doesn't choose a shirt, he's going to be late for work. Adam going through this process led him to buy 10 identical shirts to wear every day. But this only satisfied him for a little while. Because Adam had developed serious obsessive compulsive disorder, and it kept getting worse and worse. One day, out of desperation, he did something totally different. He started treating himself with psychedelics. And, wait for it, it actually worked. Here's Vice's Sophie Kaza speaking with Adam himself and Vice journalist Jesse Hicks on the story. So today we're going to talk about treating OCD with psychedelics. But first, Adam, tell us a bit about what brought you to that point, what your struggle with OCD was like and what other treatment methods you had tried before turning to psychedelics? Yeah. So I had tried pretty much everything at that point. I know that's a broad statement, but I really, by the time I I stumbled across this study of, of psychedelics for OCD, I had been on over a dozen different medications, all of the SSRIs, Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft. Uh, I was on a huge dose of Lexabro at that point. I'd seen many, many different OCD specialists. I live in New York, so there's no shortage of psychotherapists there. And I had seen a, a good percentage of them, I'd wager. I had tried different you know, alternative approaches, meditation, yoga, acupuncture, uh, even homeopathy, and nothing had helped, which I should say is not that unusual. I mean, the best data that we have with uh, at least medications for OCD is about half of OCD patients simply don't respond to any medication. And those who do respond typically see only a 25% reduction in symptoms. So most people with OCD are, you know, medications are of limited help. Now, psychotherapy can be very helpful for some people. Unfortunately for me, it didn't seem to do much. So I was really, you know, at a point of absolute desperation. And in fact, I was in the midst of a particularly severe OCD crisis. I had been Hold up in my apartment for literally, I think it was three or four days at that point. I had not left my apartment once, just engaging in this OCD behavior. And I searched, you know, I went to Google and, and looked for, you know, OCD remedies, which is something I had searched many times before. But this time, maybe I delved deeper into the search results. Maybe I structured my search query slightly differently. I found a result that I hadn't found before, which was for this study 
of psilocybin, the main psychoactive compound in hallucinogenic mushrooms for people with OCD. It was a small study. There were only nine subjects in the study. And, you know, it was a pilot study. So the, the, the authors of the study, they cautioned in the study, you know, hey, it, we can't really draw firm conclusions. This is just very preliminary. But the results were quite extraordinary. All nine people had a pretty significant remission of OCD symptoms. Some of them, the remission just seemed to last, you know, for a day or two or a week. But at least one subject in this study, six months later, they still seemed to be OCD free. Uh, I say seem because it was a small study. They weren't tracking that rigorously. But uh, as best they could tell, this person seemed to be, they didn't use the word cure, but that was the word that popped into my head reading this study. It seemed like at least one person was essentially cured of OCD with mushrooms. So at that point in my life, I had very limited experience with psychedelics. I had tried them in college. They hadn't really worked, probably because I was on these SSRI medications that for many people can uh, dampen or even negate the effects of psychedelics. So I really wasn't experienced with psychedelics, uh, and I didn't have any particular interest in them, but I was desperate enough that my response was, okay, I have nothing to lose by trying this stuff. So tell us about that first time when you decided to try psychedelics and treat your OCD with it. What happened? What was it like? Well, so just to give a little bit of context, very soon after reading that study, I met this woman and we struck up a you know, romantic relationship who I later learned had basically unintentionally cured her crippling depression with psychedelic cactus. Many cacti strains actually contain mescaline, which is a potent psychedelic. Many of them are actually legal. You can get some of these cacti at, at Home Depot. They're, there's common decorative cacti. So I met this woman. We had this relationship. I eventually told her about my OCD and about my sort of psychedelic quest to cure myself. And she told me about her own experience with cactus. So that was my first experience was with this psychedelic cactus. And it was disappointing. I had very high hopes, no pun intended, for this experience. I mean, I was, you know, I wanted to cure myself. I needed to cure myself. And it had basically no effect. And so I did some research and learned that, yeah, it was the Lexapro that I was on this huge dose of this SSRI that was probably making it so that the psychedelics just really, um, the effect was very attenuated. So I stopped taking the Lexapro. Was that a difficult decision for you? Was that scary in any way? The decision wasn't difficult. I, I'd gotten off Lexapro a few years prior because the medication, again, like most people with OCD, the medication, it didn't really seem to help that much. And there were also a lot of side effects that were not pleasant. So I'd gotten off of it before, then I'd gone back on. So it wasn't a difficult decision. This just gave me added incentive to get off. But it was difficult to get off. These medications, for many people, myself included, there are strong withdrawal symptoms when you stop trying to take an SSRI. And uh, so it was several months of you know very gradually tapering down my dose to get off completely. And once you were off the SSRI, what was your process like in sort of trying these different psychedelics? Did one work better than the other? Did it start to treat your OCD right away? Or was it kind of a, a longer trial and error process? Well, I'll say I kind of approached this whole task of, I like to call it vigilante psychopharmacology, trying to uh, cure myself with psychedelics. I approached it in what in hindsight I see as a very OCD way. OCD thinking tends to be very black and white, you know, like, you know, something is either perfect or it's, it's just irreparably wrong. And so I was looking for this perfect cure that if I took the right dose of the right drug, I would fix my OCD and I'd be, you know, perfectly happy forever. And I now know that's not how it works. 
And to be fair, if you read the research of you know psychedelic therapy, the psychedelics are a key part of it, but there's also a lot of therapy in there as well without psychedelics. So it's it's never that clear cut. But I was looking at it that way, and so I was fairly, um, I guess you could say irresponsible, or you could just say stupid. I mean, I was I was taking a lot of different psychedelics in a fairly unstructured fashion, and sometimes at quite high doses. Often with this woman, my girlfriend at the time, who had you know introduced me to the psychedelic cactus, sometimes alone. And some of these experiences, the OCD would seem to get better after these experiences, but never for that long, you know, a day or two, a few days of relief. And again, looking back, that doesn't surprise me. With psychedelics, there's a lot of talk about integration. The idea is that you have a psychedelic experience and now you need to integrate it, that into your regular day-to-day life. And, the, and people say, you know, the trip begins when the trip ends, that the real work is not the actual psychedelic experience, though those can be challenging. The real work is integrating it into your life. And I was not doing that. I was, again, I was looking at it as just a fix. So, so not surprisingly, whatever relief I did get from these experiences tended to be rather short-lived. And that, in turn, would feed my desperation more. So I'd be like, all right, well, now I need to take a higher dose, or I need to try a different drug, or I need to try a combination of these drugs. Again, it became a kind of obsessive quest. So yeah, so it, it wasn't a quick fix at all. But I was, you know, hell bent on this this task, and I, and I kept doing it. And predictably, I then had some fairly uh, harrowing experiences that actually made the OCD worse in the short term. So, how did you end up figuring out how to integrate these experiences into your life and and have them help your OCD rather than hurt or or sort of just last for short amounts of time? Yeah, well, that that to me is one of the beautiful and mysterious things about psychedelics is. They have a way, in, in my experience, of kind of letting you know what you need to know. So at a certain point, my experiences itself made very clear that I was approaching this the wrong way, that these drugs were not something that I could, you know, and I use the word drug, but I think a lot of people would prefer to use the word medicine. And I, I think in some ways, that's a more accurate term. But let's stick with drugs, that these weren't just drugs like, you know, Coke or something like that, where I can just kind of use this for my own end, that, that ultimately it's a working with these medicines. So yeah, I had several experiences where it was very challenging and it became clear to me that it's more of a two-way communication with these, with these drugs slash medicines. It's really learning to actually, in my case, at least learning to kind of submit to them, to allow them to take control. and. Once I did that, and I didn't do that, you know, <laughs> voluntarily, I did that sort of kicking and screaming, to, to put it more concrete terms. I had one particularly very high dose trip on mushrooms where I realized, oh, I can't control this experience and it's terrifying. But if I can let go and kind of surrender to the confusion, the terror, that can turn into something else that can open up into a different experience. And so once I had that experience of surrender and acceptance on psychedelics, that experience to me is also key to dealing with OCD, even without psychedelics. Because OCD, you can look at it as an attempt to avoid pain that actually creates more pain. Engaging in a repetitive behavior to avoid pain, that then that behavior actually creates more pain because you know you're 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 locked in your apartment engaging in some ritual. So even aside from psychedelics, you know, a good therapist will tell you the way out of OCD is not trying to get rid of the pain. And by pain, I mean both the obsessive thought 
and the physical anxiety that accompanies that thought. The way out of OCD isn't getting rid of it. The way out of it, OCD is accepting it, is allowing it to be there. Because if you allow it to be there, you're then undercutting the incentive to engage in this obsessive behavior to try to get rid of it, if that makes sense. So with psychedelics, once I'd had this experience of acceptance, of opening up to the confusion, the terror, you know, everything that can happen during a strong psychedelic trip, and I found that when I accepted it, I, I was able to find freedom and peace. It was then applying that same sort of, um, I don't want to call it a tactic, but that same approach to the OCD, basically opening up, allowing the obsessive thoughts and anxiety to be there, but not being controlled by them. Then what I found is once I started doing that more and more and integrating that into my daily life, gradually the symptoms, the obsessive thoughts and emotions did actually dissipate as well because I wasn't feeding them with, with this compulsive behavior. Mm. The next question is for Jesse, um, and it's about sort of the timing of Adam's experimentation. It seems sort of like there's been a, a small resurgence of people doing research about the use of psychedelics and like ketamine and, and shrooms, those kinds of drugs to treat depression, at least, and, and maybe PTSD. And then we have, you know, Adam's case here with with OCD. Can you talk a little bit about that resurgence and give us the broader context of what's going on right now? Sure. So I think in the last 20 years or so, we've seen a kind of renaissance or a, a resurgence a renewed interest in some of these psychedelic uh, treatments that had kind of been off of the scientific radar for a little while. And I think part of the reason that was the case, besides them being, you know, very illegal, uh, there was kind of a popular sense, maybe going back to, let's say, Timothy Leary, that as Adam was describing, these were, these were drugs that you would go and have one sort of life-changing moment with them, and then you would come out the other side enlightened. And that was always this sort of vulgarized description of what the experience is actually like. So what we've seen with this more scientific approach, it's been a little more cautious, and people have found that really the best way to use these substances is in conjunction with some sort of psychotherapy or a process that helps you reintegrate that experience into your normal life. So making it a part of, of therapy, making it a kind of medication-assisted therapy has really been, I think, the, the change in, say, the last 20 years or so. And it's been used to um, treat depression, to treat anxiety. Um, people have used MDMA to treat post-traumatic stress disorder in a therapeutic context. Uh, there are even some people in Oregon who are sponsoring a ballot initiative that would legalize therapeutic use of psilocybin, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, in 2020. So there's a lot of interest around these substances, and I think there's a greater scientific understanding of what potential they might have. Do you know why they, they do work on sort of a variety of different mental health issues from OCD to depression to anxiety to PTSD, which, you know, are all different? Why do psychedelics seem to be helping these conditions? I think in some cases that's still an open question, but we've seen studies, for example, that show people having 
those kind of psychedelic experiences where they're able to step outside their normal sense of themselves and have a little bit of detachment from the way their thought processes normally run, that gives them a new perspective that they can then bring back into their everyday life and uh, sort of integrate with the way they function typically, kind of what Adam's describing. There are other cases in which, you know, there's a, a more specific neurological mechanism seemingly at work. Things like increases in serotonin and in dopamine, these can help with uh, just general elevated mood. When it comes to something like post-traumatic stress disorder, we find that uh, having certain kinds of psychedelic treatment helps distance people from the experiences they're describing in a way that helps them kind of talk through and integrate those experiences. So it seems like there are a number of different mechanisms by which these treatments are working. And, you know, we need more science to figure out exactly what works and, and what doesn't. And can you describe what a clinical version of this looks like? So we have Adam here who did a lot of self-experimentation and, you know, had to had to get the drugs on his own and all of that stuff. Um, and then, you know, now we're hearing a lot about these sort of clinical sessions. Um, what, what does that look like? When we talk about something like medication-assisted therapy, it's usually a more structured environment. Um, it's therapy that takes place over months, if not years. When it comes to something like using MDMA to treat PTSD, they will do things like have a patient sit on a couch after taking MDMA and kind of close their eyes and go through the trip, kind of consciously go back to the experience that they want to interact with and kind of integrate. And then they will open their eyes and come out of that experience, discuss it with the therapists, kind of work through, you know, talking about how they feel, what it means, and then close their eyes and go back down into the experience. So if you imagine a kind of typical trip, um, this is a little more subdued. It's having someone there who's uh, trained in therapy. And the idea is that you have a specific goal. So there are things that you want to address, um, you want to deal with while you're on the psychedelics. So generally, it's a more therapeutic, more structured environment than if you were just taking these drugs on your own. Right. And are these studies and methods seeing success? Yeah, they really are. They're seeing a lot of success. Uh, I go back to the PTSD one because I think that's that's been a real area of focus for a lot of people, and they've seen some some real successes with that. Uh, the FDA, in fact, just said that that ecstasy is has real potential, and they're kind of fast tracking doing more research with it. They consider it a breakthrough drug for treating severe PTSD. Just to add to what Jesse said there. The results are, with, with the PTSD studies that they're doing now, they're entering phase three clinical trials, which is the last phase before FDA approval, which should happen. FDA approval should happen in 2021. Two-thirds of patients are, I would use the word cured in these studies, meaning they no longer qualify for a PTSD diagnosis. So it really is, you know, just life-changing results that, that we simply don't see with other treatment modalities for these sort of conditions. Right. 
Well, that, that's amazing. And I think it's a good transition to our last question, which is that not only have you treated your own OCD, Adam, but you also wrote a play about it, um, which you've mentioned throughout this interview. And I'd love to just hear a little bit about that play and where can people see it and how's it doing? Sure. Um, yeah. So the show, it's called The Mushroom Cure. Um, plenty of information at themushroomcure.com. And uh, it is, yeah, and it's it's the true story of, uh, of these experiences that we've been talking about today, Sophie. And the show is, it's, you know, my background, I'm a stand-up comedian. I've been doing that for many years. The show is, I wouldn't call it stand-up. It's more theatrical, though it is comedic, though it's also fairly dark at times because I, I don't hold back from really showing the suffering that I went through at that point. Currently, I'm doing the show in Berkeley right now, California. I've been doing it here for about a month. The show was scheduled to close here at the end of this month, at the end of April, but we actually were about to announce, this will be the first time I've, I've told anyone, so you get the inside scoop. We're about to announce an extension of the show um, through mid-June here in Berkeley, and it's playing at a theater called The Marsh. The show also, prior to playing here, I was doing it off-Broadway in New York City at Theater 80. When I brought the show here to Berkeley, we decided to do something we've never done before, which is we've had an actor take over the show in New York and play me. So it is still my true story, but someone else is telling my story in New York. So so as of now, the show is running simultaneously in Berkeley, California and in New York City. And yeah, it's doing well. And in New York, it's a fairly open-ended run. It should be running for at least a few more months. In Berkeley, we'll be running through uh, through mid-June. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. And thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. And Jesse, thank you for sharing your expertise. It was great talking to you both. Likewise. Yeah, thanks for having us. To read Jesse's full piece, go to tonic.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And tune in again on Monday for another Vice Guide to Bright Now.